thing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth, break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by himself, who frustrates the signs of lies, who makes fools of diviners, who turns wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish, who confirms the word of his servant, who fills the counsel of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, of cities of Judah, they shall be built, and I will raise up their ruins, who says to the deep, be dry, I will dry up your rivers, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Well, the question we're going to think about this lunchtime is this. How can Christians be confident that the Lord will win? How can Christians be confident that the Lord will win? You might think that's quite a bold, maybe audacious, or even arrogant claim with the current narrative of what's going on under today. Uh, you guys see the news on Tuesday, uh, the census for 2021 posted. And the big headline is Christianity is losing, is losing. For the first time ever, half, less than half of the people in Britain would call themselves Christian. And it's a 13% drop from 2011, from 59% to 46% 2021. And those who said they had no religion, there was a 12% increase from 25% to 37%. So you can imagine um, the atheists out there, your non-religious friends, they're nodding in approval and they're cheering on the progress of our country. There's no doubt that Christianity is losing. Perhaps you call yourself a Christian here today. I wonder what you make of it. Are you worried? A bit discouraged. But then again, we already knew that this was happening um, because I don't think there are 46% Christians in our offices. I mean, we were taken, right, if um, around half of the offices were Christians. For many of you, uh, you may be the only Christian in the office. And so in the reality of things, we know characters like Carl, who we met a couple of weeks ago, aggressive, antagonistic characters, but even your colleagues who are really nice and really decent, they're just different. They just don't care. So there's no doubt that Christianity is losing. So in this climate, how can we be confident? Uh, in our passage today, you notice verse 23. It starts with, Sing, sing, O heavens, shout, O depths of the earth, break forth in singing, O mountains. It is a shout of victory, song of praise. The Lord has done it. It's a victory song. But here's the paradox. How can you sing when it looks like you are you're losing? I can imagine the English football team. Imagine the first match against Iran, and they're walking down at the tunnel. And uh, as they walk down, they say, it's coming home, it's coming home, before they play the match. Uh, you might think it's a bit arrogant, a bit premature. But say this Sunday, as they play against Senegal, they're 3-0 down with a minute to go. It's not a prediction, just an illustration, so don't worry. 
And then the players start singing. It's coming home. At that point, it's not arrogant. It's just deluded. And that's a paradox. It's a narrative. Christianity is losing. How do we even dare to sing? How can we be sure that God will win? Is this call to sing? Well, it's as, um, as shocking as it is for Israel, as it is for us. You remember the context of what we've been seeing in Isaiah? Isaiah is staring an exile in the distance. Exile is coming. The great threat. Historically, no nation has ever come out of exile. Israel is going to die. Yet before the exile, God and Isaiah is telling them to sing. Sing of victory. So why? Why can Israel be confident? And why can we be confident when the narrative that we hear is losing? Well, here is the heart of the matter. Now, the great answer is not how, not what, but who. It's all about who the Lord is. If you notice 10 times, in our passage, it says, who? Verse 24, who formed you? Who alone? Who spread? Who frustrates? Who makes? Who turns the wise? Who confirms the word? Who says of Jerusalem? Who says to the deep? Who says of Cyrus? Ten times the word who comes up in our passage. And so it's all about who. It's all about identity. It's all about who the Lord is. And so we have two points for our talk today. Two points that are tightly bound up together. Firstly, the Lord is the only creator. And secondly, the Lord is the only author of history. Well, if you follow the handout, we're on our first point. Who is the Lord? He is the only creator. Look at verse 24. First, says the Lord, your redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretch out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. You see, the, uh, what Isaiah is saying is very clear. Who is he? He is the creator, formed, made, stretched the heavens, spread the earth. He starts creation at the beginning of time, is personally and intimately involved at the start of creation. But he notices not only at the beginning, but also in creation. It's not as if he wound up the clock and let it run. Um, he's involved in history. Verse 24, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from, from the womb. See, the formation of the nation of Israel is described as an act of creation. He got, he created at the start, but he's also creating in history. The Lord is the creator. And at this point, we need to pause. And we must say boom to the goose. The goose that has deluded this country. See, there has been an utter delusion that has descended on this nation. In the West, we pride ourselves with our intellectual prowess. But the reality is there has been an utter delusion that has taken root in society. Here is the delusion that something, something, um, nothing. Something can come, but nothing. And the great deception is this, is to dress it up 
something that's reasonable. You can use um, really complicated scientific terms, scientific jargon. You can use clever terminology. You can use difficult words. That is all a delusion, something coming to nothing. It doesn't change the fact that it's belief in other speculation. Because it's very simple. It is not logical to believe that something came from nothing. The logic is not difficult. It's very easy. As an intelligent architect, some of you here, designs and creates a building. Um, intelligent designer designs and creates the world. It is pretty straightforward. And we must say boo to the goose. See the Lord, he is the creator. And he is the creator. But not only is he the creator, he is the only creator. I look at verse 24 again. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. He made all. He did it alone. He did it all by himself. He is the only creator, no one else. He is in his own category. I think this gives us confidence as to why the Lord will win. You see, we can make a categorical error of who God is. Sometimes we think the game that we're playing is a tug of war with the aces. It's a two and fro, I pull, they pull. And who is God? He's the strong man in your team. Uh, recently, Think that rest, he's not really pulling his weight. No, God is not on your team. He is the judge. He is the empire. He is the only creator. He stands outside the game. He stands outside creation. That is who he is, the only creator. He is alone, and there's no one like him. Who is the Lord? He is the only creator. But there's more to say. It's really interesting where Isaiah, he goes next. You see verse 24, he's also called the Redeemer. And if you guys know the word Redeemer, um, it has two sides to it. It's both Savior and Judge. And he redeems as he saves Israel, his people. But in the process, he judges his enemies. And in the Bible, salvation and judgment, there are always two sides of the same coin. And this is the fundamental identity of who God is. Firstly, he's the creator, he's a life giver. But secondly, he's the savior and judge, the one who judges the world. And these are the two classic acts of God in the Old Testament, both the creator and the savior and judge. But everything else to know about God, it's a working out of those two fundamental truths. For example, um, he creates at the start and he judges at the, at the end. Therefore, Isaiah says, um, he In chapter 44, verse 6, he is the first and he is the last. He is the beginning and the end. But not only is he the beginning and the end, Isaiah passes that out a bit more uh, to see what it really means. Because if he stands at the beginning and he stands at the end, what it also means is the author of whatever goes on in the middle. So point number two, the Lord. He is the only author of history. Look at verse 25. Who first frustrates the signs of lies, makes fools or diviners, who turns wise men back 
and makes their knowledge foolish. Uh, liars, diviners, wise men, uh, who are they? Um, I guess, what do you call them today? Soothsayers, fortune tellers, that sort of things. Um, back in the ancient days, the kings had these counselors to predict the future. You might call them industry experts, people who predict future market trends. And they make prediction by God. He's the one who actually decides history. I look at verse 26. Who confirms the word of his servant, fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, or the cities of Judah, they shall be built, and I'll raise up their ruins. What may seem in this verse is that God, he's not authoring, he's just predicting because he, he says. But we forget who is speaking. You see, it's the creator God who speaks. And when he speaks, things happen. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. They let there be dry land, and there was dry land. Verse 27, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. And so it's not mere prediction about future. He is authoring, he's composing, he is writing the future. And so the Lord, he is the only author of history. But also notice the way he authors history. Imagine you had a pen to write history. How would you write it? Let me show you what the Lord does. That he subverts the wise and really surprises his people. Well, the thing to know about Hebrew poetry, there are two lines to Hebrew poetry. There's a line A and line B. And line B is often an intensification of line A. So I'm going to read verse 5 and see whether you can spot the intensification in the verse. Okay, verse 25, line A, who frustrates the signs of lies, line B, who makes fools of diviners. Do you notice in intensification? Line A is merely sort of frustrating or disappointing them, but intensification is he makes them fools. Again, look at verse 25, verse B, line A, who turns wise men back, line B who makes their knowledge foolish. Again, do you notice the intensification? Uh, turning back, line B, makes them foolish. And so the way the Lord authors history, well, it subverts the wise, the experts, the wisdom of this world. They look impressive, but the way he writes subverts all expectations of the wise. It makes them look like fools. It's also the same with his people. Next year, we will discover who this mysterious figure, Cyrus, is. That's also a surprise. And so this lunchtime, this is what you need to know. This is who the Lord is. He is the only creator, and he is the only author of history. And the way he composes history will always subvert human wisdom. And so this is why Israel can be confident about the future, despite the oncoming exile, because there's no doubt, there's no doubt who will win. And this is why we can be confident of the outcome. Despite the current narrative, Christians are losing. There's no doubt who will win. Because the heart of the answer is the issue of identity. Who is the Lord? 
he is the only creator and the only author of history. See, there are many narratives in this world that are reported in the news that paint our view of how the world is working. Cost of living, war, climate, will England win the World Cup, or Christians losing in this country. Many narratives, but one master narrative, one author, one person who holds the pen. And all these narratives are part of this master narrative that he started to write in the beginning, that he continues to write today. The narrative that the world will be filled with his glory and all flesh will see his glory. That one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And he will confirm his promises. The new Jerusalem, it will be built. And the city, well, it will be populated with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Many narratives, one master narrative, one author, one who holds a pen. And the best part of it is that he always writes history that subverts all human wisdom. And so that he'll be shown himself to be the only author. Next week in our carol service, our speaker Paul Williams will be speaking from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. And he, she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place. There was no place for him in an inn. Verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ. The Lord. The most subversive thing happens, the most subversive thing of all happens. The author, he writes himself into history, into the story, being born in a manger. And he does that to confound the wise, to make them look like fools, and to save his people, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so, and the narrative is that Christianity is losing. It's okay. Remember, remember who, remember who the Lord is. So how can we be confident that the Lord will win? I think the question is, how can we not be confident? Because he's the only creator, the only author of history. And the only right response is to sing. Sing, O heavens. For the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Allow me to pray. Our Father, we do pray that we would have a right view of who you are. We pray that we will not put you into a box, shrink you down, and make you small. But Father, help us to view you for who you really are, the only creator and the only author of history. And we ask this to the praise of your name. Amen.